looks a little Jeffrey Dahmerish right now. <laughs> All right, welcome back to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Shellcast. I'm Andrew, and I'm your host today. I'm joined this week and every week by my two brothers, John. Hey, everybody. And Chris. Cowabunga, everyone. So what uh, what do you guys got new going on with you this last week? John, you want to take it? Yeah, nothing crazy. Um, played some flag football, touch football this afternoon, so I'm going to be pretty sore in the morning but that's all right good to get out there oh it was um real real big cold spell in the northeast we had it's like negative four degrees but with the wind chill it was down to like negative 20 negative 25 so stayed inside most of the day friday saturday but yeah what did they say negative negative 104 on mount washington yeah it was record temperature negative 108 was recorded do you see the video of it it's insane you should watch it. Um, I read. I read a headline that was. Um, it was so cold in Maine that they were having frost quakes because everything was like freezing. I didn't. I didn't read the article, but just should I just read the headline? It was a frost quake. No, that sounds. I don't know. Cool. It like gets so cold that it's. You start shivering. things start the earth. Shivers. The earth starts shivering. Yeah, yeah. Um, only new thing on my end. Keen viewers will realize I'm in a new recording location. Uh, the pod studio is in progress. Looks a little Jeffrey Dahmerish right now. But <laughs> we'll get some more lights and some stuff in the background in the upcoming episodes, and uh, this will be the new spot. Perfect. Maybe a green screen. You could be like me, you know? Yeah. Could get oh, a yeah. little Hyperstone Heist <laughs> Technodrome behind you. Um, cool. And uh, my side, not, not a whole lot going on. I did wrap up Season 8 of the 87 series, so I'm on season nine and i think i actually just wrapped up season nine so now i'm on season 10 how many episodes are in season nine you crushed it in a week they only have eight eight first eight nine and ten so but uh yeah so today we'll we'll continue our review the original 87 uh, tmnt cartoon series with season two episode four called the mean machines but first i wanted to just remind everyone that you can stream the TMNT shellcast on Spotify, Amazon, Google, Apple, and Anchor. You can follow us at TMNT shellcast on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Or you can visit us at tmntshellcast.com where you can find links to everything that I've mentioned so far and eventually our merch shop. And I know Chris is eager to to uh, take the lead on that but we'll eventually have some merchandise uh, available for purchase as well yeah that should actually go live tomorrow i've got a bunch of stuff locked up i was going to send you guys tonight to look at wow but um merch should be available starting tomorrow awesome so that's wednesday for all you um audio files out there um and then just uh you know we don't we don't uh we don't ask much uh, we do this for fun but if you do want to help us there's two ways you can do that one, spread the word by telling a friend about uh, TMNT Shellcast. Also, if you want to be really aggressive, you could download the show on one of their podcast listening platforms for them. 
subscribe. Uh, you can also leave a five-star review or a thumbs up like, depending on whether you're listening to this or watching it. Um, and if it's funny, we'll actually read it on a future show. And and that's what I have for you today. Here is a five-star Apple podcast review from yours truly. <laughs> I don't title the best TMNT podcast. And the review says, I love this podcast as much as Kel loves orange soda. <laughs> I was wondering if you're going to admit that you actually left that review. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I had to, I had to, had to start off. <laughs> and, uh, but what pairs well with orange soda and that's uh, pizza. And so last episode, John was punished with the pizza time wheel and he spun extra crispy crust. I'm very so, excited. Yeah. Is that even a punishment? That's like an enjoyable type of pizza. Just a little snack. So to recap, before John indulges in his extra crispy crust punishment, we did have, I think it was the biggest wheel. There were 13 choices that John had. He landed on extra crispy crust and uh, probably going to be a whole lot better than your last pizza, which mm. was anchovy and peanut butter. Yeah, that one was that one was terrible. Zero, zero out of 10. Although I think I gave it like a one or two maybe. But yeah, so I got extra crispy crust. Send a photo for the viewers, but this is what it looks like. The saddest little piece of pizza probably you could ever see. Very crispy. Wow. It's a little floppy on that Wow. Band. Very crispy. Holy moly. All right. This thing is hot out of the oven, so here we go. That sounded like a fake crunch the first bite. My own. I mean... I guess if we're rating it, I give it, I give it eight out of 10, eight out of 10. I mean, it really doesn't get much better than that. I know. Like what else? Yeah. Like, yeah, I think folks at home, maybe pepperoni is the only one that will score higher than that. Just straight up. Yeah. Pepperoni. I'll finish eating that during the episode. So John's gotten two softballs so far with his punishments. He's gotten cocoa puffs which he made into a dessert pizza and now extra crispy crust Mm. but then you could argue he's also had the worst uh with the anchovy and peanut butter and then did you have is this your third one or fourth that was my third third buddy i had desiccated liver yeah i would i would love some peanut butter on a pizza yeah that's true i recommend that one very good so moving into the episode recap of season two, episode four, The Mean Machines. So right off the bat in this episode, we have a sparring session. So the Turtles and Splinter are in the lair. Splinter is sparring with Mikey. And within the first minute, we've got Mikey getting flung over Splinter's shoulder. We've got Raph mocking Mikey and uh, suffering the same exact fate and even less time. Um, and then as Raph is getting thrown or flung through the air by Splinter, we have a scene where he crashes into Donnie, who happens to be walking into the training room. He's got something in his hand. Raph hits into him. It flies out. We learn um, that Leo probably has the most cat-like reflexes on the, on the squad, and he uh, saves whatever it was flying through the air on his katana blade. Uh, and then we learn... Uh, in the in the moments after that, that Donnie was working on a new invention. 
So this will be the first appearance of uh, Turtle Tech this episode, and it is a tracking device that he's built from the spare circuits on the alien spaceship from episode three, or last episode. Um, and the whole goal of this was to replace the now dead crystal converger that would help the turtles locate the fragments, and in this case, the second fragment specifically from the eye of Sarnoth. So a whole lot of stuff uh, unloading in like the first minute. Uh, we also have a couple turtleisms thrown in there, but we'll save those for uh, the end of show segment. But overall, what did you guys think of that opening scene? So how about you two defend defend your boys out there just getting mm. slumped by Splinter? Mm. John, it feels like every episode, Mikey's getting tossed in a sparring match. Yeah, and the, the feedback is always that he needs to be more patient and he seems to not be learning from his like from the guidance. So there's really not much I can defend other than the fact that Raph got a little bit too cocky and then got okie doke just like Mikey did. So yeah, worse possibly, you could argue. Yeah, yeah flung and then mid sentence. Like, yeah, I thought for some reason too, it was like through a door. Like Donnie opened like a door and Raph went flying through. Yeah, Donnie was walking in, so the door opened into the room and like perfect timing to send the machine flying. I was just really impressed, probably more with Leo. Just he he was like talking to Splinter, and then all of a sudden he has the sixth sense. He runs out, like kind of does a sliding, stick out the katana, and it lands right on the end. Yeah. Yeah. And this is what we'll get into a little bit more, but Raph is extremely sarcastic this episode. Yeah, he's starting so to settle like, in, I think, to the, yeah. his his uh, personality a little bit. I did, yeah. Donnie using the fragments or the remnants from the alien machine to make that turtle tech. I just, for some reason, I thought the, the UFO got, like, disintegrated as it went into the atmosphere. And, like, the only things that were left were, like, those little glass balls that they actually found the alien in. Yeah, but I guess you must have recovered more from that wreckage. I don't know. Yeah, I guess I guess so. I mean, he whipped it up pretty fast. Um, it looks kind of like a portable phone back mm-hmm. from like the I guess nineties, two thousands, like the big big phone. But the whole idea is they want to use this device to track the second second fragment. And so the next scene opens up in the street. Uh, alleyway the turtles are are following the tracking device they follow it up to the street level they're wearing new disguises so they've got hooded robes i guess with the the big like um comedy shop like the big nose mustache glasses yeah do you know Um, who that's supposed to be fun fact i I have no idea john the name is escaping me groucho marx yeah so he's like a vaudeville era comedian yeah. That's who those glasses are supposed to be. But yeah, the robes, very cultish. They look like they have a moon or something on the chest. And there's no, they give no explanation of why, yeah. why they're in a robe. Yeah, I feel like the um, trench coats must be at the dry cleaner. And so they had to go with their backup disguise. Which are, which are Mikey's idea, by the way. I think he says, like, somebody says we can't go up there with the disguise. And Mikey goes, oh, I got us covered. And that's what they're marching around in. Yeah, pretty wild disguises I wrote down. Yeah, I feel like they'd stick out more wearing those around in the middle of the day than just being dressed as turtles. But, mm. uh, but at, so as they're walking, um, 
they're interrupted by an ongoing bank robbery. So they're kind of walking down this alleyway next to a building. It happens to be a bank. You hear the alarms going off and, and uh, two bank robbers run by them and kind of interrupt their dialogue and their tracking of the second fragment. So they decide to pursue the bank robbers and they eventually corner them in an alley. So we've got kind of like a split timeline that happens in the scene. So what I'm going to do to make it easier for the listeners is run through the turtles timeline and then they meet up with the uh, shredder in his timeline. And I'll kind of recap that. So uh, turtles pursue the bank robbers. They corner them in the alley. Bank robbers are firing legitimate bullets. I think this is one of the first times we have bullets versus yeah. laser beams. Mm-hmm. So they're just, uh, yeah, they're unloading rounds on the turtles. And Mikey here has a chance and does, I think, redeem himself for his his poor sparring match. So he and Leo are throwing their weapons at the bank robbers and their their guns. So I think Mikey throws his nunchucks first. It disarms one of the bank robbers. Leo throws his katana, one katana, disarms the second. And then Leo then throws his second katana at this um, scaffolding. I think that's above the bank robbers. And he, he ultimately cuts it down or cuts down half of it. And then these paint buckets slide off and uh, and dump on the bank robbers heads yeah orange paint orange paint yeah. yeah very violent they just open fire with machine guns no warning nothing they just open fire on the turtles yeah and i think go ahead John. i was gonna say i think raph and donnie just pick up two covers to trash cans yeah. that deflect the bullets so some sturdy trash cans in the 80s new york yeah for sure um but yeah that whole scene i mean pretty quick they they take them down in a couple minutes um and after they've got the bank robbers painted, um, I don't know if they tie them up, but they basically, you know, the, the police are about to come. So again, the turtles want to take off. So they go back down the alley and um, again, they're looking at the tracking device or at least Donnie is. And, and Donnie's like, man, this second fragment is moving now. Like it, it was stationary. It's now moving. So they go to follow that um, direction. And that's when they run into a taxi driver who had just been carjacked by Shredder and Baxter. So parallel parallel timeline, as, as the turtles were coming up to the street level, you actually have a cut scene where Shredder and Baxter are overlooking and they're, they're having a, some dialogue. And essentially what uh, we come to find out is Shredder and Baxter are tracking the second fragment and they happen to converge on the turtles around the same time that the turtles are finding or about to find the second fragment until the bank rob- robbery happens. I was that I was wondering why Shredder and Baxter just happened to be on the roof of a building that was right by where the turtles were. They were tracking where that second fragment was. That's what led them there. I, I believe so. I mean, it, I think it was mentioned. I don't know how they're tracking it. Um, yeah. So Baxter says he like did. He basically did a calculation on the trajectory of the ship. Which makes no sense because he wasn't there when it was crashing. Wow. But he, he's basically like, oh, there's how did the turtles get here? Like, I'm the only one that could have figured this out. And also, the other note I had is why is Shredder in a robe also? Just oh, was he? Inexplicably in a disguise for no reason. Mm-hmm. A very similar, it's like that. the same. He doesn't have the Groucho marks on, but he's got a brown robe with a hood for absolutely no reason. Just on top yeah. of the roof. Yeah, because he's been out in public in his regalia. Yeah. Yeah. You like that word? In his regalia, just no 
concern, but now he's like, yeah, maybe it's a little bit chilly that day, so he had to throw on a little sweater. Yeah, and I found it interesting. I was waiting for the explanation. It just never came. Mm-hmm. So in, in that timeline uh, with Baxter and Shredder, um, Shredder, so as the turtles walk by and they're pursuing the bank robbers, Shredder tells Baxter to uh, retrieve the second fragment. So Baxter starts going down what looks like um emergency staircase like on the outside of the building um and he slips on a banana peel like essentially when he's almost down it's like on the third to last step <laughs> second to last step so he slips on a banana peel it sends him headfirst into the dumpster uh next to the stairs so that happens and then shredder we talked about his mad hops in an episode or two ago he decides to leap off the second story roof of this building onto the ground. So he's going the other way now, like down 40 feet and uh, lands right next to the dumpster. And at that moment, Baxter emerges and he has a, the second fragment in his hand. So it was in the dumpster. Um, Shredder jumped off and the two of those guys then decide, okay, we got to get out of here because the turtles are right over there somewhere. So we're going to take, off down this alleyway they flag down a cab uh and as soon as the cabbie pulls up shredder basically tells the guy like get lost we're we're taking this and they uh, throw him out and they jump in and then they take off and that's when those two timelines converge because at that moment that they're taking away is when the turtles roll up on the taxi driver after he was thrown out of the vehicle yeah very very stereotypical taxi driver big oaf and then the the only other note I had from this section, which I actually I think I'm going to start tracking them just because they're getting funnier, is Shredder just making fun of everyone around him. So when he when he tells Baxter to go down and get the little piece of crystal to look for it, Baxter kind of complains. He's like, "Oh, why me?" And he says, "Because swine like you understand the garbage." Mm-hmm. And that's yep. where Baxter runs down the stairs and slips on a banana peel. Yet yeah. I have a couple more this episode. I'll I'll bring up when they get there, but. It is like he's turning into an insult comic, basically, as the episodes yeah. go on. And I think, too, when they hop in the cab, he says that he needs to sit in back or he needs to be downwind yeah. of Shredder so that the garbage smell doesn't like waft up to the front yeah. seat. But after um, after carjacking the taxi driver, did you guys see that like cut scene where he's like lamenting about this, the um, state of the city? Mm-hmm. It was like yeah, a brief 10 I... second thing, but he basically was like, you know, uh, city's falling apart. It's not like it used to be. It used to be a so, center of culture. Yeah, I think at this, I, I meant to research it and I didn't, but I'm pretty sure at this point in New York City, like I know the 70s were very, very rough in terms of how the city actually was. I believe it didn't get cleaned up until the 90s when Rudy Giuliani was mayor. So I'm, I'm pretty sure at this point in American history, New York City isn't like a very good place to live. I think there's a lot of crime and they show graffiti and stuff all over the place. I'm pretty sure that's more realistic to how it was then. It's a gross generalization, but I'm, I'm with you. That's, that's a rough, that's a rough history that nobody's going to correct on. This show, <laughs> but I'm, I'm fairly certain it's accurate. We learned that Shredder and Baxter are taking a taxi to an abandoned, it looks to be an abandoned warehouse. And uh, the next scene opens with Shredder on the phone with Krang who um, who's describing the unlimited power potential of the second fragment. So they've retrieved it. He essentially uh, lets Crane know that it's got um, unlimited power potential. He doesn't know what kind of power. 
but it is unlimited. Um, and he assures Krang that it's enough to destroy the turtles. So and this is only two. So the originally the alien had said that if you have all three, you have untold power. So yeah. it kind of confused me this episode because it seemed like the two crystals were giving them everything that had been promised. Do we know who has this, the first crystal? What happened to it? I think it's just assumed that they still have it because they're now after the second one. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I'm with you. I th- I thought you needed all three. I also don't know how he knows the potential other than just from what he was overhearing, because he seems to he seems to know that it is extremely powerful, but he doesn't really know how. Like, you know, what I mean, like he he seems to not have all the details on exactly how to get it to where it needs to be, but he just knows there's the potential there. Yeah. So he's kind of like bragging to Krang or again, trying to show Krang like, Hey, I'm making progress. Like I still need, you know, the foot soldiers. I need Bebop and Rocksteady. I can't do this alone is at least what it appeared like, uh, his sentiment was to me when he was, when he was talking to Krang. Um, but again, uh, yeah, same also, same sort of quick dialogue between the two of them where they're just bickering back and forth. Yeah, it's another one of the Shredder calling Crane with not much to report other than some factual items, nothing like no results at this point. And I think Crane gets a jab in too. He's like, well, you know, forgive me if I'm hesitant to give you any resources because you failed so many times in the past. So, yeah. More and on a more minor question. note, I mean, how many times can you just go to an abandoned warehouse? The, the playbook from Shredder and Baxter is just the same thing over and over and over again. Like, steal something from someone, Shredder fumbles it, Baxter catches it, they run to an abandoned warehouse, and they call Krang every single time they're doing something. He's, he's a mess without his um, Technodrome, his, like, home base. He's got nowhere to... Is it even his, or was it Krang's? Like, it's unclear who, who even that belongs to. Yeah, I think it... I think it was Krang's, but obviously Shredder was occupying it for a lot of that time. So yeah, he's got no like home base. Uh, I think that's why we see a lot, of, obviously, a lot of the warehouse scenes right now. Uh, the difference, I think, in this phone call conversation is when Krang uh, hangs up, he signs off with a Krang out, which I thought was funny, and and that led me to uh, the next segment, uh, which we haven't done in a while, but it's best and worst. So we're going to kick things off with best worst phone salutations. And the way this is going to work is uh, we're going to do greetings first. So we're going to do best greeting and worst greeting and then best farewell and worst farewell. That makes sense. So basically like what in your opinion are the best ways to answer the phone and to, you know, right before you hang up those, those, uh, two salutations. So I think we should start off. I, I did a, um, I did a new wheel here, shell cast wheel, just to pick randomly between the three of us, just spun it. And Chris is up first. So we'll go Chris, then we'll go John, and then I'll wrap things up. All right. Do you want, you want all of them? What do we do? You want best let's do best. Or? Let's do best greeting the three of us. And then we'll do worst greeting. You know, we'll do it, do it in us in sets. So mine is very, very straightforward and simple. The best greeting is this is blank, whatever the person's name is that's answering the phone. So when I answer the phone, I say, this is Chris. Tells everybody exactly what they need to know. 
if they don't know, if they haven't spoke to me before, they know I'm picking up. If they spoke to me before, obviously they know it's me. But there's no ambiguity on who is speaking on the phone. It's it's just me. Not even a hi. This is Chris. Yeah, no. seems a little. Uh... It works in every situation. It works for work. It works for personal. You just say this is Chris, and that's all you need to do. Simple. Mm-hmm. I hate talking on the phone, so this will factor into the. <laughs> yeah, that's a fact. Chris definitely hates talking on the phone. I will say though, while that's a good greeting and similar to what I say, I usually start off with "Hi, this is Andrew." I throw at least a hi or hello just to make it a little bit more personable. I'm usually frustrated when I'm answering the phone. I know. Somebody's calling me, so that's You're why. So, <laughs> I know. Every time I call you, I'm like, Chris is going to pick up and he's going to say, what do you need? Or I'm busy. Yeah. Well, it's from honestly, it's from dad because yeah. dad just calls to talk about nothing. I did it to him today. He, he called me. I talked to him for half an hour. It was fine. And then he called me 10 minutes later to tell me like what the neighbors were doing. And I just I don't have time for that. Half an hour. Jeez, long phone call with parents. Well, yeah, some of us love our family, John. <laughs> I, I struggle to, I struggle to find. You know the conversation I have with conversation with our parents whenever I'm talking to them. Oh, I haven't heard from John in a while. What? And then I have to defend why you're not calling anyone. <clears throat> not calling anyone because everyone in this family goes to bed at like six a.m. <laughs> six p.m. It's like uh, just opposite schedules. Unbelievable. Okay. My, anyway, that's my opening. Yeah, that's a bad opening. I would have I would have given you points if you said hi, this is Chris, but all right. Mine is just pick it up, go for John. Boo. What are you, a secret agent? No, yeah. It's I think I'm trying to remember. I I feel like it was how I met your mother. That's what Barney would said. That's what Barney said. Go for what Barney. is it? I think it's from a couple of things. I know for a fact that Kramer used it on Seinfeld. Yeah, but what is the greeting? Go for John. Go for John? Go for John? Yeah. yeah. It's stupid. I don't even get it. Go for John? Like, go. Start talking. It's yeah. John. Go for John. That's terrible. It's like a military pilot. It's like a pilot thing. What? Yeah. It's how I, it's not how I pick up the phone, but I think it's one of the better ones. Yeah, you want you want to, but you don't have the confidence to actually use that because it makes you sound like an idiot. I don't get calling I just, idiots. I just don't understand. If you've never used it, how can you say it's the best greeting? Just the coolest in your mind? I mean, uh, yeah. For me, it's if I had the confidence of a <laughs> man, I would oh, I'd pick up the fun. I'd say, go for John. That's a classic. You see it in movies and TV, but nobody actually does it. Yeah, because it life. doesn't translate to real life. Yeah. Yeah. I saw it. All right. Uh, mine's not very good either, but my go-to greeting, I think it's the best. I say, Hey, what's going on, man? Doesn't work in every situation, but for the friends that you have, I feel like that's, if you answer the phone saying that, even if you don't sincerely mean it, they think you do and you automatically get off on the right foot. Yeah. That works for friends, but you can't use that on it. You don't answer the phone that way when mom calls. (laughs) I mean, I typically only answer the phone to people I want to talk to. And I would say 90% of that time, it's like to a friend or somebody I can use that greeting with. Not always. So I like, I personally like what's cracking. Nobody talks like that. I, I, I say that. I you say shaking. that? Which, which, yeah, what's cracking? All right. Nobody's ever answered the phone that way in real life, John. I'm sorry. I say it. I don't know what, 
I don't I've never heard that. you say that. Hey, what's cracking, Andrew? How often are we calling each other? Not often enough, apparently. <laughs> we talk on here. I've never heard you say it on here. <laughs> what? Okay. <laughs> just, it's just basically a phone call. All right, so that's John's honorable mention for best phone greeting. Chris, what do you think is the worst phone greeting? So, so this is tough. Mine, I guess mine was, I was picturing when somebody calls me and if they say something first, they're just like, hey, it's yeah. me. That I don't like. It's a hey, little it's bit me. better now because if you have caller ID, then you know who it is and most cell phones do. But it happens a lot at work where it's, hey, what's going on? They don't say who it is the opposite of my introduction. And then I spend the first 50 seconds, like, because I'm obviously too awkward to ask them who it is. I'm just trying to piece together based on what they're saying, who the person is in my head. And then I don't pay attention to what they're actually saying. Hmm. So uh, pro tip, if you're calling Chris or receiving a phone call from Chris, immediately identify yourself or else it's going to be a challenging conversation (laughs) moving forward. Yeah. I want a very, it's a very, streamlined uh, phone call announce yourself what you want and then get off the line as fast as possible so so you, you're like the type of person you know how people leave voicemails that's like hi this is andrew please leave your name and number and a message and a brief message and i'll get back to you as soon as possible you want to you want that to be every conversation you have on the phone basically yeah, hi this or, is andrew i was calling because i need you to walk my dog yeah get back to me and you know within the next four hours yeah, and you don't even have to leave your number because every yeah. phone now tracks that. Just a quick, True. what do you need? I'll figure out if I actually want to call you back based on what the request is and then hang up. Hmm. Okay. So I'm so what's the what is your worst? It's the worst the worst greeting. Hi, it's is, me. It's me. Hey, it's me. Oh, it's me. Okay, I gotcha. Um my worst is I had a couple, but I, I think I will just go John speaking. Doesn't do it for it's me. It's perfect. Oh, it is the it. perfect one. You just, no, you just said it wasn't. You just picked this is Chris. I said John speaking. It's the same thing, basically. Yours is better, to be honest. No. <laughs> if someone picked up and just, if, if you picked up the phone and someone just said Chris speaking, it'd be like, what the fuck? Yeah, I know who I, I'm talking. It's perfect in an office situation, especially. How, how do you respond someone. to that? Then you say, hey, it's whoever. Hey, it's Chris. John speaking. Hey, it's Chris. Boom. We're off to the or, next. Or your rebuttal is Chris speaking. Chris, yeah. Chris speaking now. <laughs> now Chris, now Chris yeah. is speaking. Now Chris is hanging up. <laughs> Third person only. You say Chris listening, and then you let them yeah. go. Balls in their cord. Active, like that. Chris actively listening. All right, all right. So you guys are a little bit uh, opposites in that regard. My my worst phone greeting, I think, is uh, this one was kind of tough for me because I have a lot. I think it's almost the delayed greeting, like when so somebody's calling me and I say, you know, hi, this is Andrew, and then there's like five seconds of silence. I immediately want to hang up, and Dad does this all the time because he's like not focused. I don't know what it is, but when people call and and they're calling you but they seem distracted or like they don't have their thoughts together. That drives me nuts. So I think, I think, I think of, that's the worst of, greeting to me. Yeah. Part of what that comes from too is like, if you're getting a phone call and you're like looking for your earbuds or something and you're like trying to pop them in while the phone yeah. is like ringing and you pick it up and someone's just like, hi, hi, is someone there? Hello. It's like, All right. yeah, I think like that happens. 
you know what I an honorable mention should be for these is when somebody calls you and then they say hello when you pick up. That's very yeah. They beat you to the punch, basically. Yeah, but it's like you called me. What do you want? Hmm. Very frustrating. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I'm with you on that. But I think to me, the no response because then I think it's like I'm like, is this a telemarketer? I pick up the wrong number. You know how sometimes they get uh, uh, it's like delayed because it's an audio recording. But if if somebody's calling me, you gotta you gotta know what you want to talk about. Yeah, out the bat. So text. Yeah. So to me, that's the worst greeting is is the delayed slash no greeting. How about you, Chris? What's your uh, favorite or, or most preferred farewell? Just to see you. See you later. Talk to you later. One of those. Mm-hmm. So, I don't need yeah. a whole, I don't need a whole send off. Just end the call. I mean, that's respectable. Yeah. Short and I sweet. Mean, I, yeah. I like to like the um, dumb and dumber. Oh, to dumb and dumber. Well, see you later. Yeah. <laughs> Big gulps. Well, see you later. Yeah. That's, so that's your I favorite, John? Time. See you later? Well, I had whelp. See you later. But because Chris took see you later, I'll go with my my second one is just ciao. ciao? Fun fact, John. In Italy, yeah. you can say ciao when you answer the phone as well. That's why I like saying it when I go, when I hang up. And if you want to be authentic, Andrew knows this. At the end, you just say it as fast and as many times as possible. <laughs> ciao, 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 ciao. And then they hang up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, all right. So or, you guys are pretty. Also, pretty I also like. Up, oh, up, oh, going through a tunnel. Gonna have to call you back. <laughs> Click. <laughs> just a dial tone. Yeah. Just. <laughs> See, I think uh, for me, the best were hard for me because I don't know if I actually have a preferred because I'm not a big phone fan either. But I think the best phone farewell is. Like the abrupt, oh, I got to go. See you. Like it just, that way you don't have to think about how to hang up. Like a lot of phone calls I'm on, I'm like, okay, how can I shift this to wrapping it up and then get off, get off the phone. It's nice when the other person, like something abruptly happens or like, actually I got to run. And then they just go, yeah. you don't have to, you don't have to like think of anything. It just, it's there. It's done. I agree. That would so, say. and then uh, how about worst? So worst. All right, this I had to I had to think about this one for a while. I think I've got a good answer. When somebody this happens a lot with family usually, when somebody ends it by saying, "Hey, tell this person I love them," or give whoever a hug for. Yeah, I don't like being given a chore to end a phone call, and there's a ninety nine point nine percent chance I'm not going to tell that person whatever you wanted me to tell them, but next time I see you, I will say that I did. So don't have phone calls like that. Hmm. I mean, that's fair. You don't want homework. You're calling me. Don't t- you're not. <laughs> yeah, you, you called, called me and gave me a chore. I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah, it's respectable. John, what what are your thoughts? Worst phone. Uh, yeah, worst farewell. is just. Um, I don't know. Just a goodbye. Like if someone just if you were talking, someone's like, "All right, goodbye." <laughs> Sounds like they're about to die, to be honest. Yeah. That's like yeah. the last time you're ever going to talk. I don't like it. Don't like it. <laughs> That's Goodbye. fair. I think I think the only thing worse than... I've, I got two here. So I guess maybe to be different than my worst phone greeting, because I do despise people that don't say anything to hang up and they just expect you to do it. Dad does this. It drives me nuts. Like he'll say bye, but then he won't hang up. And so if it's on my 
car phone or, or uh, car play or whatever, and I don't have my phone near me to hang up, he, he'll stay on literally for minutes before. Yeah. So that drives me nuts. But, but I think my least favorite is when people shorten talk to you later and they just say, talk to you. I don't know if, this, yeah, if anyone ever said that to you. They just say, talk to you. I kind of like that. Yeah. I, all, right, cool. all right. I'll talk to you. Talk to you. Yeah, you are talking to me. Yeah. yeah. But there's no like, I don't know. I'm just not a fan of it. Go go full. Talk to you later. Talk to you next time. You know, talk to also you next time. Bye-bye. That's just childish at this age. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye-bye. I, I, have a, I Bye-bye. actually have a caveat to my least favorite or the worst goodbye. I said the worst goodbye is just goodbye. The only time that it would be acceptable and actually might become my favorite is if you proceed it with, you are the weakest link. Goodbye. I goodbye. knew you were going to say that. I knew, <laughs> I would, knew yeah. it was coming. The whole time. <laughs> <laughs> then it would become my favorite. Also, a bit of revisionist history. I should have said for my favorite goodbye is when, and this is if you're on the phone with a relative and you go, all right, I'm going to put Chris on. Boom. <laughs> Give it to Chris. <laughs> hey, you oh, want to talk to John? Yeah. All right. Yeah. We'll pass him the phone. <laughs> yeah, that might be that's, that's one of the um unspoken benefits of children is you can always like, okay, I'm talking to grandma, I'm talking to like whoever, distant relative, you're in a rush or it's just been one of those days. And it's like, hey, Harvey has something he wants to tell you, and you just hand the phone off to your kid. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, and I'll also say this is kind of somewhat related tangentially. When I see incoming FaceTime call, nothing makes me not want to answer a phone more. I just hate, I always just text and say, why are you FaceTiming me? John does this a lot when he's trying to group call. Always starts off as a FaceTime. Yeah, I'm with you. It's like if I see a number I don't know, I'm not picking that up. You're, you got to leave me a voicemail. I got to vet who you are, and then maybe I'll call you back, but I'm probably going to text you. Yeah, where I, I might text that. people I know the number and say, "Do you know who this is?" I just did that to you like two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, I know. And then I was like on the I was on the hunt trying to figure yeah. it out. I so the only time I accidentally face call people is because I thought if you do it from a, a text thread, it would just audio call them, but it defaults to FaceTime. So that's my bad. But I also love picking up numbers that I don't have in my phone. Love it. You never Why? know. It's always what's a telemarketer. Happen. And you know what you do with the telemarketer? Click. No. Every time. I like to, I I like to don't even... yell at them a little bit and then hang up. I heard if you if you talk back, then you like stay on their list because they know it's a it's person that picked up. If you if you just hang up and don't say anything, then there's a chance they don't call you back. I think we're supposed to yeah, what they say to do is you answer it but put yourself on mute so that it's just silence. So then they get that it's like non responsive. You know what was an animal move? when our maternal grandmother had a whistle that she would keep by the phone. And when it was a telemarketer, she'd take the whistle and just blow the whistle into the phone. I don't, I don't, remember, that. I don't remember that. Is that a real thing? Yeah. Graham used to do that. That's awesome. Imagine that. If, if true is awesome. <laughs> I, know. I, know. Yeah. I know. Crazy. What animal crazy move. And that's back that when telemarketers crazy. were like real people. They didn't really have a lot of the robo calling that they have now. Mm-hmm. All right, so that wraps up uh, best worst phone salutations. Just to recap, Chris, do you want to run through your selections? 
Uh, yeah, I would love to if I can remember them <laughs> off the top of my head. Uh, I had Your it's best. Chris. Yep. Best greeting. Just it's blank. It's Chris. Um, worst greeting was just when somebody says, "Hey, it's me." Just similar, but not the same because they don't say who their name was. Best uh, departure. What do you call it? Departure. Best farewell. Yeah. Farewell would be um, just see you, see you later. Whatever. One of those simple ones and then the worst one is when somebody says give x auger kiss or say tell them i said hello i hate those ones john what were your four uh my best hello was go for john my worst was john speaking my best goodbye was chow and my worst goodbye was just the, the goodbye and my four, uh, I didn't write these down, so I'm probably going to screw this up, but best phone greeting was, hey, what's going on, man? Or, hey, what's up, man? Worst phone greeting is when the person that calls you does not say hi or any sort of greeting for like 10 seconds because they're distracted. Best phone farewell, what did I say for this one? Uh, best farewell, you had... Oh, when somebody's like, yeah, I got to go. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They they abruptly have to hang up. So you don't have to think about your farewell. Yeah. And how to get off the phone. Yeah. So that's my best. And then the worst phone farewell is the abbreviated talk to you. I just don't like it. So that wraps up best worst, our first segment. So getting back now to the episode recap. Um, To end that warehouse scene, what we have is Shredder recruiting Baxter and convincing him to assist with locating a computer with incredible power to hook the second fragment up to. So as Shredder was talking to Krang uh, in the earlier part of the scene, he knows it has unlimited power potential. He doesn't know the kind of power, but he knows if he plugs it into a powerful enough computer, then it should give him and them what they need in order to destroy the turtles. So that's how that scene ends. And then it opens, the next scene opens with the turtles conversing with Splinter in this in a sewer tunnel. So Splinter is reiterating the importance of finding that second fragment to the turtles. Um, and Leo and Donnie are kind of spitballing ideas. And uh, one of the brainstorming concepts that they have is they need to boost the tracking device's signal because they can't, uh, can't efficiently find essentially where that second fragment is because they're f- so far away now. So they want to boost the signal and, and Donnie, I don't know if it's Leo or Donnie, but somebody suggests like, Hey, what if we hooked it up to the turtle van? Cause there's obviously, you know, large battery in that. So Donnie does that. And immediately when he hooks up the tracking device, it causes an explosion in the turtle van. He gets, he gets uh, shot out the back of the van and then the van just starts barreling toward the, the other group of turtles and splinter. So it's, it's like one, two, bam, bam, plugs it in, explodes, takes off, and it's heading headfirst, like towards Michelangelo in particular. And the next scene is where we get one of the best moves we've ever seen. Yeah. So the turtle van, turtle van starts, it's not just rolling, it's like full on, like pedal to the metal. Um, and it's headed straight towards the group. And Mikey, and I watched the scene multiple times because I wanted to make sure my description was accurate. (laughs) So Mikey, who in my mind is like on one of the ends, like the furthest end, if you're in the turtle van 
in my mind, Mikey's like on the far right. If you're standing in line with him, he's on the far left. But what happens is he takes his left hand and he comes across his body with his nunchuck, which he flings. And it is, he basically throws it like a, like a screwball would, like it curves the opposite direction. So he throws it across his body and it goes into the driver's side window. So automatically, if he's on the far end, he's like S, S throwing it across and it wraps into the window around the handle or around the uh, steering wheel and then happens to jerk it or, or pull that steering wheel um, to the far right so that the turtle van avoids crashing into the turtles and instead just kind of rides up the wall a little bit and comes to a stop. Wow. Just wow. Chris, what do you have to say for that? Little little bit of redemption. I am curious as to how the turtle van got into the sewers. Not really clear, but I mean, I guess, you know, I would, if I was the turtles, I would have just moved out of the way of the van. That seemed like an option, but if Mikey's going to boomerang his, his nunchucks, then good for him. Yeah. Just the impossible throw. Like, yeah. so in the last like four episodes, we've got splinter, like hucking peas, um, to, to shut down like that screw that he had that he just threw, um, He's throwing that. We've got Leo did something recently that was insane. I feel like in the last episode yeah, or two, he caught the thing onto the edge of his sword. Yeah, he catches that, and now Mikey's throwing this like, like thirty feet in the air with curving of his nunchuck. So the turtles for sure at least have a backup, um, you know, career in professional sports to some degree. But uh, yeah, so pretty, pretty good. I mean, Mikey. Rough opening scene, but he's now fully redeemed himself and uh, is looking like a heavyweight right now. So after Mikey saves a day there, we, what we have is um, Shredder and Baxter back in, in, um, in this case, it looks like some sort of metro building. So some down, large downtown skyscraper. And they've found the computer that they're going to hook the fragment up to. So they broke into some building. Here's a big computer hook it up to the fragment and that brings us to our second turtle tech appearance of the episode where we have an ai thinking machine called the omnipotent multi-processing nexus subuniversal sentience or or for short omnis o-m-n-s-s so essentially and this was a little bit hard for me to understand, but the second fragment is like an AI program, right? Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I gathered. Is it's USB this, port? Yeah, mask yeah. or whatever in in a machine. The whole yeah. concept—they just take a building, a skyscraper that nobody's in. The computer—I mean, I get it's the '80s, but it looks like a copier machine. It's a very weird plan. Yeah. A little hard to follow, honestly, because I, I I almost skipped over it because I was like, where, what happened with the second fragment? But somehow there's like this AI in there and it transfers into the computer once once it's plugged in is, is at least what I took away from it. Yep. Um, but with the appearance of Omnis, I did want to move into our second segment of the episode, which I'm calling um, Player Select AI. Let's kick show! And for player select AI, what I'd like to do is I'd like uh, for John and Chris to uh, work together to 
select an AI generated um, transcript. So what I did in the in the spirit of Omnis and AI, I use the uh, Chat GPT. So Chat Generative Pre-trained Transformer. This is like I don't know if you guys have seen any of the news on Chat GPT, but it's like passing the bar. It's uh, successfully like applied and, and received a job at Google. It, so it's this, it's this AI trained, um, uh, software that you can ask it to generate anything in theory. And it does. So what I did was I generated a transcript for a TMNT TV show and a transcript for a TM TV uh, video game, or in other words, like a storyboard for a video game. So this is just a little fun, again, just throwing AI in there and messing around with that chat GDP a little bit. Um, GPT. GPT, yeah. Uh, and I would like, uh, again, so the idea is you guys will work together, select um, one of two transcripts. I'm not going to tell you which is which. So you select them based on the title. And then based on that, I'll have you guys just read through what chat uh, GPT generated. So you'll either read one of the the acts or one of the scenes essentially sound good yeah so a like little different little different segment here just i as an aside i haven't been able to actually use chat gpt like every time i go on the website it tells me that it's like maxed out yeah it happens to me about 50 percent of the time hmm. i've learned like really late at night in mountain time like it's available or like randomly during the day hmm. um, but pretty cool so you guys must decide, are you going to elect to read battle for the city or protecting the powerful artifact? I mean, obviously protecting the powerful artifact, Chris. And I was honestly thinking the other one. Yeah. But you're All right, rock, I'll give rock, you, paper, you rock, paper, scissors. We're going to rock, paper, scissors for this. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Wait, hold on, hold on. First of all, I can't <laughs> even see your hand. Yeah. The thing, John, and it's rock, paper, scissors, we go on, shoot. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Make sure your hand is in the camera this time. Yeah. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. All right. All right. So we're doing protecting. Okay. So since you won that, Chris, um, do you want to read scene two or scene three? Uh, I'll read scene three. Or we'll read scene three. So John selected protecting the powerful artifact. That is the transcript for the <clears throat> TV episode. So I'm going to read scene one. Chris has, uh, or I'm sorry, John has elected to read scene two by process of elimination. And Chris has chosen scene three. So intro music plays and title card appears that reads Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Scene one opens to the turtles lair. Michelangelo is sitting on the couch playing video games. Leonardo is practicing his katanas. Donatello is working on a new gadget. And Raphael is practicing his bow staff. Splinter enters the room and Splinter says, my sons, we have a problem. The Foot Clan has returned to New York City and is up to no good. I've received reports that they have acquired a powerful weapon that they plan to use to conquer the city. Leonardo says, we won't let them get away with it, Master Splinter. Splinter says, I have faith in all of you. Now go out there and stop the Foot Clan from carrying out their evil plans. The turtles nod in agreement and head out to the city. Scene two opens to the city streets. The Foot Clan is seen causing chaos and destruction. The turtles appear ready for action. Raphael says it's time to stop the Foot Clan in their tracks. Michelangelo, cowabunga. 
The turtles engage in a battle with the Foot Clan using their ninjutsu skills to take them down one by one. During the fight, Michelangelo spots the weapon the Foot Clan is after, a powerful ancient artifact that has the power to control the elements. Michelangelo tries to grab the artifact, but is quickly tackled by one of the Foot Clan members. Hey guys, I found the artifact. Leonardo, we need to get the artifact before they do. The turtles work together to retrieve the artifact and successfully defeat the Foot Clan. As they make their escape, they're chased by the Foot Clan, but eventually back to their lair with the artifact in hand. Scene three opens to the turtles' lair. Splinter is waiting for them. Splinter, well done, my sons. You have once again protected the city from evil. Donatello, and we've retrieved the ancient artifact, too. Splinter, that is indeed good news, but it is important that we keep it safe, as it has great power that could fall into the wrong hands. The episode continues as the turtles work to protect the artifact from the Foot Clan. Along the way, they face new challenges and obstacles, but eventually triumph in the end. In the final scene, the turtles are seen back in their lair, the artifact safely in their possession. Splinter, you are true warriors, and remember... There will always be evil in the world, but as long as you have each other and your skills, you can always triumph over it. Outro music plays. Title card appears to be continued. Wow. So Not for too bad. Uh, yeah, I mean, I thought it was interesting because for literally the prompt was essentially like write a transcript for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles TV episode based on the 1987 cartoon or something like that. I didn't give it any other prompts. And what I noticed was, you know, from a plot standpoint, this could easily fall into one of the episodes. Like it's not that far out there. It's a powerful artifact, kind of like these crystal converger fragments. Um, But what I thought was funniest is they end the episode. Like a lot of these ones have ended in season two with splinter giving some sort of, wise uh, reflection or some sort of like motivational speech at the end there so to me i I thought it was pretty good overall i mean short obviously and could be fleshed out more there's not a lot of detail here Mm. but i thought it was pretty cool that uh ai can generate something like this that's not too far-fetched yeah i thought it was funny when they do the little the very intro it's kind of accurate you know it's it shows them the layer michelangelo's playing video games which i feel like he would do Leonardo's with his katanas. Donatello's got a gadget going on. And then they say Raphael's practicing with his bow staff. It's yeah. funny because obviously he has the size, but everything else is very accurate to what they Maybe, would probably be doing. Chris, do we really know what practicing his bow staff? Do we know what that's implying? <laughs> Nobody knows. Yeah, just no shredder. I mean, no uh, Foot Clan is in here, but no shredder mentioned, right? No, no shredder mentioned. No Krang, so. Yeah, pretty cool. So I, I thought, again, player select is is um, kind of a, as of right now anyway, free-for-all segment. We've done a couple things in there, um, but a lot of them are kind of like choose or engage with the hosts um, in, in a story somehow. Uh, John kind of kicked it off a few episodes ago. So I thought this would kind of be a cool way to highlight, again, some of the AI that's going on, but also tie it into the TMNT theme. So this one will be continued at some point. So we've got it to be continued here, and then we still have the video game uh, transcript that we can roll into a future episode. But back now to the episode recap. So we're still in that that, uh, metropolitan building, 
And again, we've just been introduced to Omnis. So he gets the supercomputer gets plugged in. Omnis pops up on the computer screen and he or it is uh, discusses how powerful it is. So they're having a conversation essentially between Omnis and Shredder and Omnis demonstrates its, its power and um, explains that if it was given a stronger power source or more energy, essentially, it would be able to control every machine in the city. So that initial demonstration, I can't remember exactly what happens, but I think, you know, it, it shows Omnis actively like engaging through the electrical wires or plugs or something like that. And then maybe possessing some sort of machine or robot. I can't remember exactly what that initial demonstration was, but it's, it's building up like, Hey, I'm powerful. I need more power in order to take over, you know, every machine in the city. Go ahead. Yeah. Basically like it starts shooting paper into the air. And I think shredder at one point says, Oh, these are mere parlor tricks. Like when are you going to show me what you can really do? And that's when it asks for more power. And he immediately is, yeah, we'll get you anything you need. Very trusting, even though he doesn't seem impressed. Mm -hmm. But I think in the scene, and it becomes more apparent later, but Baxter is a little bit hesitant, I think, to help the AI. And it's not its not made so obvious here, but in a future scene, um, it is a little bit more. So Baxter says something that gives you the hint, maybe he's not fully behind this plan, but he does it anyway, because Shredder essentially instructs him, instructs him to find and hook Omnis up to a stronger source. Yeah, I actually had a note that I, I thought Baxter was jealous of Omnis. It seemed like seem it. like when Shredder is giving other people credit because when Omnis asks for more power, he kind of mockingly goes, ooh, more power, more power in the yeah. background. So I, I think he's jealous. I guess you could say he's, he's unhappy, but either way, mm-hmm. he's not a fan of this thing. And pretty quickly, he finds a stronger power source, hooks Omnis up to it, or hooks it into Omnis. I'm not entirely sure how that works, but... Um, and then what we find with that stronger power source is Omnis immediately can locate the turtles, like through its massive like GPS tracking now, I guess. And um, Shredder commands Omnis on the spot to destroy them. Um, so, yeah, which, which sorry to cut you off, but that's Shredder. I think his favorite thing to do is the second the turtles come up on anything, just scream, destroy them. Yeah. And then let all his minions go run crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so stop if you've heard this one before where Shredder's using somebody else to try to carry out his plan of destroying the turtles. Uh, so meanwhile, while, while all this is happening, we've got the turtles uh, in a cutscene. They're driving in the turtle van to meet with April because the idea is that they're going to tap into her network of contacts from being a news anchor to um, understand if there's been any unusual activity in the city to try to pinpoint Shredder and Baxter and the second fragment. Um, so we then see the turtles, um, after Omnis, uh, is commanded to destroy them. We see the turtles roll up onto April in a construction site and they're, they hop out of the van, they're chatting with her, kind of getting her up to speed about what's been happening. And then we see these, uh, construction vehicles, construction equipment, um, being taken over by Omnis. So in the first scene, there's a bulldozer, cement mixer, wrecking crane ball, um, but essentially these big, large construction vehicles are now being possessed by Omnis. And, and what we see very quickly is that they're going to pursue now the turtles and April since she's kind of caught up in the, 
caught up in the riffraff there. So very quickly what happens are the turtles and, and April get backed into like a dead end or, or some sort of dead end wall. And um, they start now to go on the offensive and they start evading um, first, like defensively, they start evading the construction truck chaos, but then they start to go on the offensive. And we have a cutscene that happens as this is going on. It looks not so good for the turtles. So we've got Crane calling Shredder back to get an update on like what's going on. And, um, yeah, Crane's, and Crane's getting a little antsy. He's like, yeah, what the what's going on there? Like, keep me in the loop. I, I think they may mention at some point too, that he's trying to get back to earth. They're trying to open the portal to get Crane back to earth. Yeah. So he's like, yeah. He wants to know what's going on. Yeah. I think he's feels a little, got a little FOMO. I think so. Because it, it um, in this scene in particular, I think you're right. And I don't know if it comes out here or later in some of their dialogue, but I think that the idea is they still want to now get the Technodrome, all the rock soldiers, the Foot Clan back to Earth to overtake it. And then I think eventually, like Krang's long-term plan is to get back to Dimension X and, and reclaim his title of ruler there. Yeah, which um, did you guys also notice that when Krang calls back it's a different communicator yes as the original so it goes from the little pistol shaped one now it's more of like a clamshell flip phone type communicator with a little screen on it which i thought was interesting yeah i think it was like gray gray or something too it wasn't like pur yeah. the purple so yeah a little um artwork error there but um yeah so they they have some some dialogue there and then meanwhile uh we cut back to the turtles so so after some uh, some squirmish there we see leo in in this scene take take the lead and he cuts the wrecking ball loose with his katana from one of the machines and it, it drops a couple on hacks to cut it yeah it does I notice but he, he does a wire what's not <laughs> i mean genius. he's slicing through the weather maker he's slicing through the cuffs on april if for whatever reason he's lost a little bit of his mojo it's a little hard to a little mo I, so I'm glad Andrew mentioned it because I didn't think you guys would ever give credit to Leo. He's the one that says he again, guy with the plan, figures out, hey, we need to turn these machines against each other, and that's when he starts hacking away at the the wrecking ball. Which, of all the machinery there, probably the most dangerous one. So best turtle attacking it. I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give Leo a hard time in the scene because he really is the reason that the turtles I think get out of it. Because he cuts, he cuts that wrecking ball off. It drops onto the bulldoze, bulldozer and destroys it. And then he run overs to April, who's like about to be, I think, probably crushed by the bulldozer. Like she had fallen over, so she she's about over to... like the tiniest little rock. Yeah, yeah. come it's on, like... April, come on. Gosh. Yeah. And then Leo. So after rescuing April, he then slashes the lever on the mixer to spill concrete um, and seize the tires of the like a bucket loader, front loader, something like that. So Leo's making moves. Um, who was who was someone was like running on top of the cement mixer, weren't they? To, like that was spin. Leo. So he okay. swings from the wrecking ball onto the cement truck, starts manually spinning the drum, and then dumps it out so that the steam shovel or it, it's a piece of equipment, honestly, that doesn't exist yeah. really anymore. It, like the tires get all gunked up. Yeah, because Donnie's crazy. running, begging for his life. <clears throat> So the uh, yeah the the mixer goes down, bucket loader something goes down, and then and then we get Mikey. So again another strong showing by Mikey here. So he tricks 
what am I going to call it? Impact hammer. I don't know what it I is, but the hell that thing is. Pile driver. so like a pile driver, but it's not not what they look like, but that's what it's meant to be. Speaking yeah. of pile driver, I'll bring it up after. Continue. Um, yeah, so he tricks the pile driver impact hammer. He's running with a box of TM, TNT. So he's got a box of TNT. Everyone's freaking out because they're like, Mikey, what are you doing? Like, you're you're going to get killed. And he, I f- can't remember if he like puts it down and sits on it. And then like, yeah, he's like sitting yeah. so nonchalant on it. Yeah, classic draws seductively. <laughs> almost, yeah, like like uh, a few episodes ago. But he draws it over and then like leaps in the last second away. The impact driver comes down, smashes into the TNT, and at that point, uh, destroys a whole lot of stuff, including the Channel Six van. But essentially, render all of those ominous possessed machines dead. So the yeah they destroy the news van and then april's like oh no my van is broken what am i gonna do and then i think leo is just like we don't have time for that yeah like we'll figure it out later i had that in my notes they could not give less of a shit about (laughs) a million dollar van which we know from the first episode yeah a million dollars of equipment in that van and they just can't be bothered with the fact that it's completely totaled April, like her world is flashing before her eyes that this van just got destroyed. And this is the first time it has been destroyed, right? That we've seen. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's really appeared since the, maybe the zoo episode when Bebop and Rocksteady got wet out of the zoo. I think a couple ago when she was taken off after Vern said like, okay, I'll give you the van and a news crew. And she Uh, runs down there and Vernon hops in with her. Like it was next to the turtle van. Um, So I think that was maybe the only other time. But that will become a recurring theme where the Channel 6 news van gets absolutely destroyed. Nobody cares except April or Burns. Bankrupting this wildly successful Channel 6 fan. So, Andrew, pile driver, speaking of pile driver, do you remember your famous... Wow, that was loud. Do you remember your famous wrestling move called the pile driver? Was Was that what I called it? Yeah. No, that's not what it was called. Oh no, no. I thought it was, it was a bomb dropper. Bomb dropper. Bomb dropper. Oh, yeah. Bomb dropper is a pile driver. Pile driver is an actual wrestling move. Yeah. yeah. Bomb driver is me lifting your leg up and like pretending <laughs> to break it. <laughs> yeah. The pile driver is where you turn someone upside down and like drop them on their neck. I think. Why did I think that was the? How could I forget the iconic, the iconic the bomb, name dropper. bomb dropper? Yeah, because Andrew was like the A bomb was his wrestling nickname. Oh yeah. What was mine? I don't know. Blockhead. <laughs> Unbelievable. Anyways. I did, Andrew. I had a, just a note. So after after all the construction equipment's destroyed, it goes back to Shredder, who's like obviously upset. And he instantly changes his plan from destroy the turtles to open. This is where they bring up opening the portal back to Dimension X. So yeah. Reflect. Yeah, so... Uh, I don't know. Is it... I'm just thinking, like, Shredder is just getting like every plan he has is thwarted, and he's just like, yeah. "Fuck!" Just open up the portal, <laughs> just run it yeah. back. <laughs> well, I think that's what I'm saying. Like his plan, his basically, he's in the room. On this gets powered on. He goes, "Destroy the turtles." The turtles <laughs> don't get destroyed. And he goes, "I don't care about the turtles. Open the portal up." It's just instant turn on a dime, no accountability at all. <laughs> yeah, and I think. 
It's the worst leader. The worst. <laughs> well, save that thought because I think that scene is a little bit later when his like master plan, his like alter master plan gets revealed. Because I think what happens, like to end this uh, construction site um, scene, we've got the van gets destroyed. Turtles don't care. Um, but there's a cut scene that goes back to the Metro building and Omnis is demanding even more power. Cause he's like, you know, if I had what I, if I had all the power I needed, I could a hundred percent destroy the turtles. Um, so this is where that mocking and the rising tension happens with Baxter. Um, and instead of waiting for Baxter or Shredder to give him more power, he just kind of like jumps into electrical wires and steals more power from some of the substations around the city. Right. So that's how that scene closes out. And then we have another cut to the turtles back in the sewer and Donnie doing his like ever favorite, just like tuning up the van or giving it a wash down or something like that. And splinter again, reiterating the danger of shredder having the second fragment so now it's kind of a similar sentiment before but we know for sure shredder has it he's tried to attack the turtles so splinter going full like danger 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 mode um and in between that dialogue we have a channel six special bulletin so we've got a different news anchor pops up april's with the turtles in in the sewer and the special bulletin is showing the chaos that shredder is causing with the second fragment so omnis by grabbing more of that power. I don't know if it's Omnis who's doing this on his own or Shredder's instructing him, but a whole lot of chaos is happening to New York City once again. And we learn in the same scene that the tracking device that Donnie has built is now receiving too much power from, or, or there's too much signal coming from the second fragment because there's all this chaos happening in the city. He cannot track down like what is the source of this and the location and what is like kind of the collateral damage that's happening. So don't really know what's going on there, but it's, it's still not working as intended. Um, but we do see the turtles take off to find that second fragment while April joins them because she wants to capture the story for channel six. So once again, we go back to the Metro building shredder enjoying the destruction he's causing but he realizes the turtles are going to come and find him at some point. So he suggests to Omnis, like we should protect the building, essentially lock it down before they get here. And that's when Omnis jumps into and takes over a bunch of robot machines at the Robodyne building down the street or something like that. Just like, yeah, machines with like brooms coming out of their head. And like, I think a vacuum cleaner, right? Is that these ones? Yeah, uh, I think so. They were like, I think I had notes like vacuum cleaners and yeah. um, what are the polishing ones? Yeah, like a uh, floor polisher. Floor polisher, yeah. Yeah, waxer, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. A mini Zamboni. Crazy. So then we then we have a quick, quick cut to Burn lamenting about a lack of Channel 6 news coverage. Um, so the chaos is happening. He's watching clips or the special bulletin as well and he's lamenting he's like where's my star reporter april how are we not capturing the story of the century and this is where burning i think for the first time is is positioned as a character who's trying to 
uh, take advantage of April. So he's, he's bad mouthing April to burn and he's trying to steal the story from under her nose and, and have burn essentially say like Vernon, you take the story and run with it. Um, and he almost gets there or he does get there until, um, burn starts talking about how dangerous the story is going to be because of all the chaos that's happening. So then Vernon chickens out and basically says, no, definitely keep that with April. I'm going to go do this, this thing over here. So next the scene cuts to uh, turtles back in the street and they've got the tracking device. They bump into a robotic meter maid that has been possessed and they command it to tell them where shredder is. And it does um, after like first insulting them. And, and uh, I think it's Raph maybe who again threatens to short circuit the meter maid and it, it finally agrees to lead the turtles to shredder. Yeah, so quite convenient for the turtles that they just roll up on this meter maid, who's like seemingly still doing her job. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And um pretty pretty quickly wraps up the end of this episode here because this whole episode they've been trying to find Shredder. They now know where he is. So the meter maid is leading him right to Shredder conveniently after he told Omnis to essentially buckle down internal defenses because the turtles will be coming. Um, and this is where, as Chris mentioned earlier, we learn now the altered plan for Shredder. So instead of just destroying the turtles, he's now shifted. Um, he shifted his focus to giving Omnis as much power as it needs so that it, it can open a portal to G Dimension X. And so Shredder can retrieve his foot soldier army without Krang's help. So, so this, this part, go ahead. Made, this initially made sense to me that he's going to do it without Krang's help, but then we'll get to it. Then he calls Krang and tells him what the plan is, which Krang can open a portal and close it whenever he wants. Yeah, but but remember the issue here has been Krang, uh, as of like one or two episodes prior when he when he first drops Shredder in Central Park, he is not he's like pledged he will not give him any help until Shredder proves himself worthy. So I think what's happening here. Shredder's just so frustrated of not having the resources. He's just trying to take the portal and the opening of the portal into his own hands so that he can get his foot soldiers and take over and pursue the turtles or take over New York City, whatever his, you know, ul ulterior motives are. That makes more sense. Um, and, I, and again, you know, as this is going on, Omnis being powerful, locates the turtles again, warns him that the uh, turtles are nearby and Shredder, once again, orders for their destruction. Omnis then takes control of the turtle van that they're driving. And the turtles get locked inside as it's racing down the street. So this is the second scene in this episode where the turtle van is out of control. Um, Donnie, quick thinking, uses the tracking device that short-circuited the turtle van earlier in the episode to do it once again, to stop the van before it crashes into the wall. And, um, and comes to a screeching halt. And we have then Turtles in April at the end of this kind of street scene, theorizing exactly what's happening, that Shredder has a fragment hooked up to a supercomputer and he wants, um, uh, he wants to cause destruction of the city. So they recognize that what they'll need to do is take the fragment out of that circuit somehow. And they, once again, start following the tracking device back to the Metro building that Shredder is uh is in yeah donnie with just the perfect theory that is 100 percent accurate on every single thing he says yeah 
Donnie is, yeah, he's proven himself to be quite effective. Yeah. And he's, so he's settling into his character role too, which is like the tech guy, smarts. Um, so everyone really is finding kind of their base personality. I think Raph has been probably the most underwhelming so far. Like he hasn't really done much in any of these episodes and his character. So the, whole, just, the whole ride where their van gets taken over, he's just spitting out sarcastic lines one after another. Yeah. Like, oh, take your time. We're, you know, and then when they stop and just from the wall, he's like, oh, I stopped now. We had a whole three inches to spare. Yeah. So he's not being helpful whatsoever, but turtles are on track. They're, they're close to um, finding shredder and hopefully retrieving the second fragment. So we go back into the Metro building that shredders in. And this is where Kring receives a call from shredder uh, and shredder is assuring him that the turtles are being taken care of. And then immediately as that's happening on this interrupts, um and says that the building security has been breached it's the turtles and shredder abruptly hangs up and like blames it on the service i think i forget, I forget exactly what he said but he yeah. essentially going back to our best worst um phone grease he basically says like you're breaking up on me krang i'm gonna have to call you back so he hangs up on krang and baxter shredder recognizes that it's the turtles that are there and shredder calls to activate all internal defense systems and that's when we cue the theme music so we know stuff's about to go down because we've got the, the turtle theme music playing. And this is where we see more of those possessed floor wipers, vacuums, buffers, uh, heading up the stairs um, or, or greeting the turtles before they head up the stairs. So they come in that first floor. They're greeted with all these possessed uh, floor wipers, floor uh, machines, and quickly take them out before... Um, going up the stairs to get to the upper level where Shredder and Baxter are. So they make any comments on that quick fight scene with the floor wipers? The only one I had, which I thought was funny, that Shredder says activate all defenses and it's a couple of robots that are floor cleaners. And then we'll see what they run into going up the stairs, but it's very simple minimal. defenses in this building. Yeah, minimal. Especially with Omnis being this ever-powerful AI thing like I was a little bit underwhelmed there too, but yeah. we see once, once they defeat the floor machines, they get to the stairs and then now a fire hose is possessed. And this threw me for a loop because in my head, I'm like, it's not a machine. Like there's yeah, no right. electrical components in that whatsoever. So how it's possessed, no idea, but, um, turtles engage with the fire hose and Leo again, falling into his role as leader has a perfect plan. So he call he commands Mikey to take out the security camera that is uh, ironically just above like the hose um, winding wheel reel. Um, so Mikey, his plan is to take out the security camera, which he does. And then he commands Donnie to distract the hose um, so that April can turn off the water supply. Yeah. They're getting absolutely dominated by that fire hose. Like they're hanging off for dear life to the railings of the stairs. You could just see like April is just getting absolutely dominated by the hose. Yeah. And shout out to Leo just barking orders out, not actually doing anything himself, just telling everyone else what to do. Sometimes yeah. you got to weed from the back. It works though, because what happens is exactly the plan. Mikey takes out the security camera. Donnie distracts the hose and gets wrapped up while April runs up there and turns off the water supply. Um, and then we get our final 
turtle tech uh, appearance. We get turtle traction suction cups, or in other words, like suction cups to scale the building. And turtles throw these on. And what was most interesting to me is you would think, okay, suction cups, I'm going to put one on each hand and one on each foot. But no, the turtles put one on each hand and one on each knee so that they can scale the building, I guess, more uh, ergonomically. Yeah. I, don't, I have no like idea. Lines lines up with like where they have the knee bands on there. Yeah, but totally threw me for a loop because I was like, I had to pause it because I was like, why are they putting these on their knees? It makes no sense. But Yeah, and I thought it was interesting. April looks out the window and goes, oh, we're 70 stories up, which I don't think we saw the turtles take an elevator. So either they ran up 70 flights of stairs or they took an elevator partway and then decided to take the stairs the rest of the way up. But either way, weird way to get to the 70th floor of a building. Yeah. But so they immediately open the window and I, I think they, there's still some machines that are pursuing them, but they throw the suction cups on, they take off and I forget the order, but Raph is the last one out and he's got April. So humble brag for Raph here. April's on his back as he's scaling, scaling the building with the robots pursuing them. Yeah. She's hanging on for dear life just on the top of the shell. Like that would be so scary. And the robots that were chasing them, I don't know if you guys caught it. They right crashed the through the wall as they're going out the window. But the door, there's a doorway right there. And they just bust around it through the wall for no reason. It's AI. It's not, uh, it's not optimized yet in the 80s. Um, so they're scaling the building. Meanwhile, we have Omnis. He's counting down. He's like less than 60 seconds away from opening this Dimension X portal. So Splinter is like salivating because he's about to be able to pull all his resources back through the portal. Um, and then we get the, the theme music again, twice in like two minutes here. And, the, and so the theme music comes on and the turtles crash or jump through the window. I can't remember if they broke anything or if they just kind of swing through, but they climbed up to find Shredder and Baxter come through the window and Leo, this is just like Leo's best episode. He throws his katana across the room and cuts the secondary, what I wrote is the secondary power supply to Omnis. So not, doesn't take him out completely, but takes out his his power. So like his his dominance has now been reduced to almost nothing. Because um, what it does is it forces Omnis to abort opening the portal because he doesn't have enough power source. And it shuts also shuts down all the possessed machine robots. So Leo, Leo with a quick strike here, like immediately knows what to do, comes in hucking his katanas again in this ep- later in this episode and takes out Omnis's primary skill set, which is this this uh, ample power supply to control all these things. Yeah. Yeah. Real good showing from Leo here. Yeah. Leo does no wrong in this episode. Uh, he barks out uh, another turtleism, which again, we'll wrap up in the uh, final segment here, but a very classic uh, turtles fight with honor. And then we have Shredder doing what he does best, which is getting thwarted and then disappearing. So his plan goes awry. He has this vial, some sort of, I think it was green. I don't know what color it was, but he's got like an Erlenmeyer flask essentially that he throws at the ground. It, it appears to be some sort of smoke bomb and he and Baxter flee. And then what we have is in the, in the closing scene here for this um, Metro building, April, who was with the turtles, um, she was hiding behind the machine and she emerges and she confesses to being the one that actually that did the final unplugging of Omnis. 
so Leo did the the heavy hitting, but then April like pulled the final plug, I guess, and shut the whole thing down. So Omnis is gone. Shredder and Baxter have taken off, and the Turtles and April are still in the Metro building to wrap this scene. Then we go to a hotel room, or what what appears to be a hotel room, rundown uh, New York City hotel with Shredder blaming Baxter um, before receiving a phone call from Crane conveniently um, after what Crane describes as several hours with no update. Yeah, I love Crane just calling to fuck with Shredder right at the end. Just with a, oh, hey, Shredder, haven't heard from you in a while. What's uh, what's going on over there, buddy? Yep. As he, uh, yeah, he knows it's obviously a failure because nothing's happened. Yeah. <laughs> no portal, but... Yeah, and this is where, I guess, maybe uh, based on my notes, this is where he pulls the old, you're breaking up card. Crane, you're breaking up. I, yeah, yeah, I gotta go. You gotta go kind of thing. Going through a tunnel. Yeah. Um, and then the turtles are back in the lair. So this is the last scene of the episode. A lot of action in this one, but the turtles are back in the lair. And this is where I have a reference to pepperoni pizza for the pizza wheel. So the only one we got this episode, um, turtles are eating pepperoni pizza uh, with April while Splinter warns the turtles to be more alert. So again, this is kind of Splinter so far in this season. He's he's very much assumed like the fatherly um, role and at times has put all of the burden and the blame on the turtles. He's kind of doing it here. Um, and we've got this cheesy last scene where April is glad. They're all kind of reflecting on what they're thankful for, like around Thanksgiving. So April's glad to have had... Um, I've captured the news story. Raph is glad to be alive <laughs> in some sarc- you know, sarcastic joke. Donnie um, is glad to have the machines turn back to normal. And then as he's saying that, the shadow of a of robot, you know, comes comes down, uh, marching down the wall, and we get to zoom in, and it is in fact a robot, but it's a toy robot. So Mikey's trying to to prank the turtles with his toy robot and in a shadow, and then they all fling their pizza slices at him yeah to end the scene my boy mickey so a whole lot happened in that episode but as always what we want to do here is we're going to end the end this episode with a update to the villain power ranking uh reference to all the turtleisms mentioned and then we'll spin the pizza wheel for next episode sound like a plan plan. sounds like a plan all right so cue the music so just to recap from last episode our current villain power ranking stands as shredder at number one crane at two baxter at three the mutant plant at four general dragon granitor at five roadkill rodney's mausers and bebop and rock steady at six seven and eight Punks at nine, Crooked Ninja Troll Gang at 10, and then the Foot Soldiers at 11. And for this episode, the only villain I had was Omnis as a, as a new appearance. So let's make adjustments to any existing villains and then slot in Omnis where we feel it fits most appropriately. So any, um, any conversation or, or debate about moving uh, in this case, Shredder, Krang, or Baxter, I think were really the only ones that were active in this episode. I personally think it stays as is. I think mm-hmm. 
you know, Shredder didn't do great. They did, I'll say Shredder and Baxter did successfully get the second crystal piece to start the episode, but didn't really do enough with it to warrant obviously Shredder's already at the top. Krang was kind of inactive, so I don't see any changes here. Yeah, I'm with you too. I think uh, pretty inconsequential for Shredder, Krang, and Baxter in terms of outcomes. Um, But with that said, where would you guys, where do you guys think Omnis fits in the villain power ranking? I, I feel like Baxter has such, had such a strong showing these past couple episodes. It's, it's hard for me to put Omnis above Baxter, but I feel like with the havoc that Omnis raised and just like the overall, ability to track the turtles take over the van you know do everything i feel like he should be right above baxter right below Krang. so you'd slot him at three what do you think chris for omnis i honestly i had him below the mousers what he didn't he what? wasn't he wasn't successful in anything that he did he got beat at the construction site he got beat in the turtle van he got instantly defeated once the turtles actually saw him in person apart from get, like gaining power and the, like he tormented the city a little bit i wasn't really impressed with anything that he did hmm. yeah and I, I think i lean more towards chris like i thought omnis was villainous but it didn't capture he didn't capture the turtles or destroy the turtles so like in my mind that's where i was going to benchmark him was and i don't recall if mutant plan or general trag and granitor if they were successful in capturing the turtles or not but that was kind of my thinking is whatever tier of um mm. you know of uh villainous would be capture versus uncapture so i for me he's somewhere between baxter and the mausers so i'm kind of like you know between you guys yeah yeah i Okay, I hear your points. I would put him above the roadkill personally. If the, but the roadkills, like to me, like Trag and Granitor stalemated with the turtles. The roadkill Rodney's in the mouth. Roadkill Rodney's captured Splinter. The Mausers captured Splinter. So I don't know. Like on this, on this big moment was when when Shredder said, "Activate all the defenses." for the building and he sent three cleaning robots and a fire hose at him. Yeah. That's that's my that's fair. That's fair. I've been convinced. I mean honestly anywhere in that in that range, if John wants to put him would you say after the above the road kills but under general trag? Yeah, maybe I'm just giving too much credit to like what I think an AI supervillain should be. And that's not necessarily what Omnis is or was. You know? Yeah. Andy had so much potential, it's just like if used properly, you could have been at the top of the list. Yeah. Okay, so Chris, you think? Yeah, here? I had him right there. Unless you, I mean, I'd be fine if he wants to go up to, but I have him. No, like that's Florida Masters is fine. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Okay, so we so we slot uh, Omnis after the Mausers. So yeah. at number eight, so that so that shifts everyone from one one to seven stays the same. Omnis comes in at eight, and then we bump Bebop and Rocksteady to nine, Punks to ten, Crooked Ninja Turtle Gang to eleven, and Foot Soldiers to twelve. 
We need some more foot soldiers, and they got to come back at some point. Yeah, they got to yeah. do something. Yeah. Well, yeah. they're stuck in Dimension X, I suppose. So, yeah. so moving to Turtleisms. There's a whole lot mentioned in this episode. I grouped them by Turtle uh, instead of chronologically. So I'll just run through what I had, and then if any that were missed, just just let me know. Mikey, whole bunch. So he starts off with a radical dude, a let's boogie. No problemo, man. Cowabunga. Mondo problems. Primo notion. Tubuloso. Another cowabunga. Mucho gusto. And an oh fearless leader. So and just then, to add to add yeah. to his, I had a let's get our shells in gear, and then a let's haul shell. I don't know if he said that or not. One of them said it. I had Donnie. Yeah, I had that for Donnie. Okay. So what was what was the other one? Let's get our shells in gear. It was right after the bankers, the bank robbery happened and they were chasing after him. He yelled it as they chased him. And then for Donnie, I had a let's haul shell and then an on the half shell. He, he had made a comment about like the machines, you know, going to eat turtle soup on the half shell or, you know, eat turtles on the half shell. And then Leo was the last one I had, which was turtles fight with honor. He had, he had that exclaimed, um, at some point. Mm-hmm. That's yep. right. Yeah, they were about well. to fight Shredder. I think this is the most yeah. we've ever gotten an episode. Most of them from Mikey, but... Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And that takes us into everyone's favorite segment, Pizza Time. Pizza Time. Pizza Time. Okay, I'll share this one. Andrew's turn to spin. Oh, baby. This is the revamped Pizza Wheel. I haven't seen it yet. I'm interested. Oh, yeah. Nice. All right. So we've got a new pixelated, kind of going with our, our uh, you know, 80s, 90s video game themed website. But what I did was I pixelated all the ingredients and the wheel. And uh, it's my turn to spin. So I'll run through the options here. I'll tell you for sure what I'm not looking forward to, which is anchovy. Um, but we do have anchovy. We've got pepperoni, sashimi banana and sausage, mini pizzas, tofu and bean sprout, jelly bean and mushroom, everything minus the green vegetables, another pepperoni, peanut butter and jelly, cornflakes, chocolate chips and caramel fudge, and extra olives. So another big wheel, I think 13 options here. And here we go. I mean, people are going to say it's rigged. I seem to be getting all the terrible pizza flavors. (laughs) Very good. I'm looking forward to that. So that should be a good one. If it looks anything like the pepperoni you had a couple episodes ago. Yeah. It would be nice. Awesome. So that uh, wraps up this episode. Any closing thoughts before we sign off here, guys? Just that I'm excited to see you. uh... Good, John. I was going to say good episode, action-packed. Very fun. Yeah. I'm excited to see the this third crystal piece and maybe the conclusion of uh, the crystal converger stuff. Yeah. No, I think it was good. Uh, uh, definitely a dense one. But, again, we're, we're seeing the plot evolve, so I've enjoyed that. We've got you know more, more substance in the plot, hopefully more characters coming, and uh, just lots more cowabungas. Awesome. Well, we'll catch you guys next Wednesday. 
Take it easy. See you in a week. El Bunga. <laughs>